Welcome to the Great Doctrines of the Bible, where we are covering crucial teachings from Scripture to help you grow your faith. There is no other Christian doctrine more mysterious and hard to understand than the Trinity. But it is true, and we must believe what God reveals in His Word. It is a precious truth for our spiritual life. We have a relationship with God as Trinity. Therefore, we have communion. We have a relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. John Owen argues that we have communion with the Father in love. We respond to his love with love. Owen says the Father communicates no issue of his love unto us but through Christ, and we make no return of love unto him but through Christ. Our communion with the Son is one of sweetness, delight, safety, and support and comfort. While the basis of our communion relationship with the Father is His love, the basis of our communion with the Son is divine grace. We also have communion with the Holy Spirit through sanctification. He is our comforter and comes to us with sweetness to be received in our hearts. So when we commune with God, we are communing with God as Trinity. It is a precious reality for God's children. The Trinity is practical. There is nothing more basic to the Christian life than knowing, communing, and fellowshipping with God. It may seem odd to look at the practical nature of the Trinity before explaining it, but it is important to see that This is not a cold and lifeless doctrine. This is for you. It is for every Christian. It challenges and comforts every Christian. James Montgomery Boyce writes, It is important because there can be no real blessing either on ourselves or our work if we neglect any persons of the Godhead. Before we get into an explanation of the Trinity, we need to define it. John MacArthur writes, God is one, yet exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one, but God is three persons. He is one in three, and He is three in one. And we need to be careful here because there is no analogy to explain the Trinity adequately. For instance, take an egg. You have the shell, the yolk, and the egg white. These three comprise an egg, therefore we compare it to the trinity. But I can separate the yolk from the egg white, and it ceases to be an egg. The analogy falls apart. So God is one. The Shema was Israel's confession of faith about God, and God's oneness is highlighted. Deuteronomy 6.4 is where we find this, and we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses does not use the word one as we typically think of it. If I say, 
I have one slice of pizza, you know that there is one and not two. The word means that the Lord is one in unity, as Moses uses it here. There is only one God, and this one God is united. Moses uses the same language in the creation account in Genesis 2.24, where we read, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The two, husband and wife, become one in unity. It is not that the two people cease to be two people and become one person, but the two people become one in unity. James Montgomery Boyce again writes, In a similar way, God is one, but also existent in three persons. So God is one. We are monotheists, not tritheists. We believe there's only one God. And the Bible teaches that this one God exists as three persons, but they are united persons. But what do we mean when we say God is one and three in person? First, let's look at what we do not mean. The word person does not mean a representation of or likeness to. Uh, We get the word person from the Latin, which meant the mask of an actor, Uh, that they use to represent a character in a Greek drama. We are not saying that God has three different masks or parts he plays, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second, we do not mean by the word person, human or humanity. But what do we mean by the word person theologically? That's how we're thinking of this. Boyce is helpful again when he writes, What we are really talking about then is a sense of existence, expressing itself in knowledge, feelings, and a will. The knowledge, feelings, and will of each person within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are identical. Theologically, the word person means a sense of existence. The Father has knowledge, feelings, and a will. The Son possesses knowledge, feelings, and a will. Likewise, the Holy Spirit possesses possesses knowledge, feelings, and a will. God is one in unity. Therefore, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have the same knowledge, feelings, and will. And you might be thinking at this point, wow, this is hard to understand. And you're right, it is. The Trinity stretches our finite intellects unlike any other doctrine in the Bible. We must believe this by faith, asking God to help us believe even when we don't fully understand. God will help us and will grow our knowledge of Him according to His timetable. Five propositions, five statements will help us summarize the Bible's teaching on the Trinity. And these all come from James Montgomery Boyce. First, there is but one living God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Christians see a plurality in God. There is a hint of this in Genesis 1-2 where Moses records, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There is a plurality in Moses mentioning God first in verse 1, and then the Spirit of God in verse 2. 
Additionally, when God makes man, we read in verse 26 of Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image. There is a plurality, something with a nature of more than one here. One last way we see this in Genesis is the plural form of Elohim is used for God, but the verb create is singular. The plurality within God that we see here is working to accomplish one task, the creation of the world. Second, the Lord Jesus is fully divine, being the second person of the Godhead who became man. In the Gospel accounts, John gives us the biggest picture of the divine Christ become man. John 1, 1 through 3, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is truly God, truly man, but we must not forget he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Our very salvation hinges on who he is. If Christ is not fully divine, then our salvation is neither accomplished nor assured. Third, the Holy Spirit is fully divine. In the Upper Room Discourse in John 14 through 16, Jesus says this to his disciples, And I will ask, of, ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word Jesus uses for another is another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. The Father will give them another help of the same kind as Jesus, the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is divine and the Holy Spirit is another helper of the same kind, then we could rightly see from this that the Holy Spirit is divine. And throughout Scripture we see this. The Holy Spirit is seen as possessing divine perfections, such as eternity, omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence. And the divinity of the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the areas of controversy. Throughout the history of the church, there have been more controversies about the deity of Jesus and the Holy Spirit than any other. Number four, while each is fully divine, the three persons of the Godhead are related to each other in a way that implies some differences. They are three distinct persons, but they are not the same person. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. And there are distinctions in their roles in each work, but they are united in purpose. For example, it was the Father who sent the Son, not the Spirit. Galatians 4.4, but when the fullness of time had come, God referring to the Father, sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law. Another difference is that the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Fifth and finally, in the work of God, The members of the Godhead work together. We see this in creation, resurrection, 
and salvation. Specifically, in 1 Peter 1-2, referring to salvation, Peter says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. So God is one and God is three. There is plurality within the Godhead, but the three persons are one in unity. And may we be led to worship our triune God as we seek to understand Him in His Trinitarian nature. Praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Holy Spirit.